Welcome to the Raising Them Ready podcast. Here we encourage and support parents who are doing the best they know how to raise their kids to become confident, capable, and kind in what feels like a half crazy and often unpredictable world. I'm Jonathan Katherman. I'm a family man, career sociologist, and best-selling author who believes our children's greatness tomorrow begins with good guidance today. Today, I'm inviting you into a conversation about managing the sugar highs and insulin lows of parenting a child diagnosed with T1D. There's no avoiding the cause, and currently, there is no cure for type 1 diabetes. So for my friends Sam and Heather Courtney, learning their young, active, and previously healthy son Miles had T1D required them to adjust their understanding of what quote-unquote normal means to their family. For them, a regular day now includes balancing their parental desire to help monitor their son's blood sugar levels with empowering Miles to practice self-care in ways that allow him to live like any young, active child should. Their story is interesting, and the wisdom shared about recognizing early symptoms, kids eating candy, lessons in moderation, and finding the kind of support parents need is invaluable. So welcome to an eye-opening discussion about raising a confident, capable, and kind child living with type 1 diabetes. They're the only kids you'll meet who take drugs to avoid getting high. So Sam, you and I were driving along the other day through Seattle, and you brought up that your son has diabetes and began to tell me context of what that lifestyle, that, that transition has been like for your family. And I was drawn so deep into the conversation because I was just so impressed with how your family has navigated this transition of your normal for your family. So, uh, so yeah, my, my son, my oldest son, Miles, he's 11 now, uh, when he was seven years old was diagnosed. We're coming up on four years. And, uh, this diagnosis really kind of hit us out of the blue. Uh, he's an otherwise healthy kid, um, super active. Um, there were a couple things that were happening that they're like, wow, man, this is, this is weird. My sister-in-law was going to take the kids for a weekend and we were getting ready, uh, and, and getting their stuff ready. And all of a sudden my wife just had gut feeling and said, I think, I think we need to take him in and get him tested. What, what were the signs? I mean, what, what kind of triggered this? I think we need to get him in and get him tested. Again, otherwise healthy kid, but all of a sudden he was super thirsty all the time, was trying to drink water all the time. Um, additionally, he was, he was needing to go to the bathroom all the time. He was needing to pee. And this is a kid that once he got potty trained and never had an accident in his bed, never, you know, none of that stuff. And so the combination of those two factors and we're like, oh, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of a weird symptom. Had we not been dropping my kids off with my sister-in-law, we probably wouldn't have taken them to the hospital. So my wife takes him to the ER. Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're going your way to your sister-in-law's house and you just swing by the hospital? Yeah, my wife did. She's got a tremendous gut feeling about about Mother's things. intuition? Yep. And and earlier that day, she had been with my son and my son said, Mom, I got to go to the bathroom. And it was an emergency. He needed to go right then and there. I think she even pulled over the car and she just went on the side of the road. So she's not thinking diabetes. Maybe she's thinking you know, a bladder infection or just something's going yeah, on. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I was thinking bladder infection. She's thinking diabetes. Well, she's already tuned in. She's immediately in that mindset. She's already tuned in. So we take him to the hospital, you know, Heather takes him to the hospital and uh, they test his blood. So I think they kind of were like, oh, this is a, you know, overprotective parent. You know, we're not going to take this too seriously. They didn't even admit him. They just did a finger poke test to test his blood. Jonathan, if you and I were to test our blood, 
our, our blood uh, glucose levels, we're probably somewhere in the range of 100, 120, and it's going to be a pretty stable number. The meter goes up to 600, but yet when they tested his blood, it just came back with a, it didn't even come back with a number. It just said too high. This is measuring the glucose level in the blood and they to prick the his blood. finger in the meter's flash and warning too high. Too high. Yep. And so we don't actually know what that first number ever was because the meter can't go up that high. Now, the one thing about diabetes, type 1 diabetes especially, if your blood sugar stays too high for too long, you go into a condition called diabetic ketoacidosis. What we've learned since we got diagnosed is most kids, when they get diagnosed, are actually in some form of diabetic ketoacidosis or DKA because parents oftentimes don't recognize the symptoms early on. They just think, oh, my kid's going to the bathroom a lot. And so they have this blood sugar. And when your blood sugar is high for a prolonged period of time, uh, other organs start to have uh, start to malfunction. Your blood starts to, to get really thick and your organs actually start to shut down a little bit. And so you can get very, very sick. Some kids can even pass out or end up with seizures or end up you know, with really severe issues. Here we're looking at it, and I, I, I give my wife all the credit in the world. Here we're looking at it. I just have a kid that's thirsty and is peeing a lot, and yet we're taking him to the ER. And in reality, his pancreas isn't producing the insulin it needs. Correct. It's not regulating his own blood sugar. As you and I eat sugar, we have normal regulated pancreases. Even if I was to give you a whole bag of gummy, you know, gummy fruits, your, your pancreas will actually produce that insulin so that your blood sugar doesn't spike. So Miles' pancreas is not producing the insulin it needs. Correct. Giving him a bag of gummy fruits without any insulin on board will spike his blood sugar. Okay, so you're in the hospital now. I'm taking the trip to the uh, to the sister-in-law's is off. Miles, is, yep. they admit him. So they didn't actually admit him. We were at uh, we were at a uh, just a general hospital, and they come back in and they say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna call the pediatric on call." but you're going to go to children's hospital today. And so Heather's like, oh, I'll drive him over there. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to keep him here until we can get a readable number on his blood sugar and make sure he's stable. And then you're taking an ambulance ride to children's hospital. So you're going between hospitals in an ambulance once your child is stabilized, but you arrive yes. there because he peed too much. He peed too much. <laughs> wow. So obviously we're in you know we're in family cocoon mode i need help with my other son because i know we're going to end up in the hospital i'm trying to organize everything and uh and then at the same time i'll be honest i didn't know much about diabetes so every stoplight that i stopped at i am googling type 1 diabetes i am googling who has t1d because i don't know anything about it i don't know anybody who had it hmm. when you are approached with a disease or a condition that right now we don't have a cure for, it feels a little bit like a life sentence. First thing that went through your mind had to have been something along the lines of, okay, so we don't have a cure for it, but what caused this? I knew it was a lifelong condition. I knew that there was no cure. I was actually less concerned about what caused this and more concerned about, can he live the rest of his life healthy? How much does this change? I was worried about him in that That's moment. good. That's good, dad. And then I realized there's very famous people that have type 1 diabetes. Um, there's a soccer player for the Seattle Sounders, Jordan Morris. He has the Jordan Morris Foundation. He's got type 1 diabetes. Was diagnosed when he was 11, plays professional soccer. 
there's baseball players, there's football players, there's musicians, there's, you know, there's, there's tons of examples out there. So as soon as I saw famous people lined up that had type one diabetes, I was like, Oh, okay. You vacillate wildly between, Oh my gosh, this is a life sentence. And Oh my gosh, he's going to be totally fine. And the truth is, both both sides of that spectrum are kind of true. The genetic or otherwise cause really doesn't matter at this point to you. It's like, how is my son going to manage this for the rest of his life? Correct. And look at these look at these public figures who have learned to manage this and been successful throughout their life. Yep. And then I went into, okay, how can Heather and I help him live a normal, healthy life and not be over overly protective? How can I make sure he has the strength to get through this? Now, Miles is seven at this time. What is Miles into at seven years old? You know, Miles played soccer. Uh, he loves parkour. Um, he's a he's an active, healthy kid. He loves to go for bike rides. He likes to go hiking. Obviously, like almost every kid, loves his iPad games. And again, I'm sitting there going, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a professional athlete, but I also don't want to be in a spot where I have to tell him, hey, you can't play baseball because you You're going to have this. to sit this one out because you're diabetic. Yep, yep. And then, and then you get into the social circles and what do kids do when they're seven to 12? You know, they have birthday parties and they go to cake and ice cream and they go to the movie theater. And I'm sitting there going, man, am I going to have to sit there and say, you can't, you can't do all of these things. Hmm. What happened? What, what did you find out? What can he do? What can't Miles do? Yeah. So we get into children's hospital. They kind of go through the nursing staff goes through with us and basically says, listen, we diagnose kids with this every day. This is what we're here for. They told me a couple key concepts um, for treating diabetes, and there's actually some life lessons in here. So the first thing was we had to figure out how to treat him. So we had to be constantly measuring his blood sugar to make sure he was within range. And there's a scary thing. High blood sugar is not good, but it doesn't hurt you if it's for short periods of time. It's only high blood sugar for longer periods of time that really causes a lot of concern. Now, obviously, you want to try to keep it within range, and the range that we keep him in is a blood glucose between 80 and 180. But because his pancreas doesn't regulate him, his blood sugar can crash as well. And if his blood sugar crashes, it can actually cause other issues. He can pass out. He can have a seizure. He can have all sorts of other so issues. So his blood sugar can pendulum swing between off the charts and, and too low to register as well? And so we constantly, he has a little bag that he walks around with and it's got insulin, it's got needles, it's got his meter in there, and then it's got sugar. Because if he's super active and we go to the pool during the summer and he's swimming, sometimes I don't have to give him insulin all day and I just have to keep feeding him sugar because I need his blood sugar to stay at a, at a normal level. He's burning level. glucose, so he needs more. Absolutely. He's burning glucose. And some activities burn it more than others. He can go for a jog and not necessarily affect his blood glucose. And then all of a sudden, the pendulum will swing and we go to the pool and he'll swim for 30 minutes. And he'll go from a blood glucose of 150 down to 60 in a heartbeat. Hmm. And as soon as his meter starts beeping, then I pull him out of the pool and I'm like, Hey, buddy, we need a popsicle. Wait, so his meter starts beeping. What meter? Most uh, T1D kids have some some form of meter on on them, and it's basically um, it's basically a meter that it it sticks a little wire into his arm, and it is constantly it's a, called a CGM. It's a continuous glucose monitor, and it basically measures his blood sugar in uh, five minute increments around the. Is clock. this that little pod we see sometimes, like on someone's tricep, the back of their arm? Yep. 
on looks the back like, of their it almost looks like yep. a patch with a pod. Correct. That has a little needle in it that's actually in his arm. Yeah, it's actually got it's a little piece of wire and it goes into the like the fatty tissue in the back of your arm and it actually will read that blood glucose. It, it connects to his iPhone. He has an iPhone that he carries with him all the time. It will constantly track his blood blood glucose over the course of a day and, and around the clock. And so as a parent, once we got him on that CGM, we gave him an immense amount of, of freedom because I wasn't constantly worried about his blood sugar. Now, if he drops low, I can call him and say, hey, buddy, and he, and he he can typically feel it. He can typically see it on his meter. But hey, buddy, you need to, you need to, you know, you need to eat some sugar. You need to wait, eat wait, some You'll food. call him like you're at work, he's at school, and you'll get an alert on your phone and give him a call and say, yep. time, to, time to snack? Yep. He's got very good self-care as well. And so most of the time I actually don't have to call him unless I see something really drastic happening. We, we get to know the teachers really well because they help, you know, manage him a little bit. Um, but he's really good about managing himself. So you just said he knows what's going on. You know what's going on. His teachers know what's going on. Does that mean that you have essentially a both digital and real care team around your son? Correct. So anybody who is in the orbit of my son has been trained on at least at a cursory level for diabetes management. Because most teachers, you've been in the education system, if a kid stands up in the middle of class and walks over to a bin and grabs a handful of candy out, most teachers are going to sit there and go, whoa, wait a minute, that's a total disruption. You don't just wait, stand up in the middle of class and go eat a couple Jolly Ranchers. Unless. Yeah, if he doesn't do that, he might pass out and hit the deck. And so at the beginning of every year, we let everybody know, like, hey, Miles has this condition. Here's what it means. He's got a meter on him. And if you hear it beep three times, that means he's dropping low. There's actually, you know, we can we, we share that information with them. Conversely to that, I want my kid to be a normal kid. And so if Billy in his class brings in donuts for his birthday, I don't want Miles to have to sit that out. And so Miles has a phone on me on him and he'll call me and go, Hey dad, um, Billy's birthday's today. And they brought in donuts. Uh, how much, how many units should I give myself? How, how many units of insulin? How many units of insulin? And what he has to do every time he eats is he has to take a shot of insulin. From an outsider, I'm, I'm a parent with a child who is your son's friend and we're at a soccer yeah. game. And all of a sudden, your son's device starts beeping, and your son goes to a bag and pulls out uh, a needle. Do I need to be concerned? I mean, as an parent, as an adult, should I should I be the responsible one, or as an eleven year old able to manage his low or high rate of insulin? Every kid evolves into this condition differently, and Miles has a very good self care. So, as a parent that is in his sphere, you don't need to do anything. He is completely self contained. He will go give himself a shot um, and he will measure out the units. Um, he does need some help still calculating at times. He's usually pretty right with the numbers, but uh, there's a mathematic formula that we have to use. And it's a certain amount of, depending on how many carbs the meal is going to be or the snack is going to be, um, dictates how many units of insulin that we have to give him. But yes, if, if he's at a birthday party and you guys are all playing and it's like, okay, it's cake and ice cream time. If I'm not there, he'll call me and say, hey, it's cake and ice cream. I want to have a little bit of both. I'll, I'll say, great. And then I'll calculate a number for him. And then he will go, and he's usually pretty conservative about it. He'll go off to the corner because he knows needles kind of spook people. It's not a huge needle. He's not pulling out a syringe and 
you know, looking like a looking like an addict of some type. He will then go um, and and he'll give himself his units, and then he just returns back to the normal activity so that he can jump in and be like every other normal kid. Okay, so I'm going to give some some compliments to Miles Real this, but I'm also pretty certain that you and Heather have helped him learn how to do this on his own, which means as a parenting style, you have high expectations of your son as well as are able to meet him in his space of need. And that is, like you said, to have a normal childhood and grow up to be able to manage this. Yeah. And I think what we did, empowerment is is 100% the right word because he needs to be able to go off to school to learn. We need to be able to go to work. And so my wife and I worked very hard and diligent in, in coaching him and helping him get to that point where he could have self-care. It's also propelled, um, and, and I will give our nurses at, at Children's Hospital a lot of credit because they really coached us into how to deal with some of these things. And I'll give you an example of, of what I'm talking about. I've, I've actually used this as a life lesson even for my business. When you manage diabetes well, your numbers tend to stay in range. And you kind of want to celebrate the win, right? So if his blood sugar, the target is for him to be at 120, and we check his blood, and he's right at a blue cl- blood glucose of 120, man, I remember that first time, and we're like, my wife and I are giving each other high fives, and you know, we're so excited. We're not, you know, we're giving miles knuckles and, you know, and I remember the nurse kind of like almost tempering the enthusiasm. And she's like, listen, I, it's great that you guys are doing well with this. And it's great that you're celebrating the win. But she goes, I want to be a little careful because she goes, if you're celebrating the good numbers, then what do you do when the numbers aren't good? Hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's a good point because it feels like, well, we were successful here and we're not successful over there. So if he has a bad number, does that mean we weren't successful? And what we learned in in this diagnosis is we really want to look at some of these things, not as a win or loss, but as a, just a data point, an unemotional data point that's sitting somewhere on a chart, because there are times where we do everything right. And that number is still way out of whack. And there's, it, it almost goes without reason, without logic. And so I don't want to blame him for why is your number high? I don't want to blame myself or my wife or why is the number low? It just becomes a data point. And it's a data point that we know how to deal with. So if his blood sugar is too high, it doesn't necessarily mean that we messed up. It just means it's a high number. And we know what to do to correct for that. Same thing if he's low, it just means he's a little bit more active and we need to give him a little bit more sugar. And so... I remember pivoting on that and not celebrating the good numbers or the, you know, we, we kind of celebrate good trends now. So when his blood sugar is within range for a week at a time without really highs and lows, I'm like, man, we're managing this really well, but it's become data points on a chart instead of this emotional victory of like, he's at 120 and this is a good thing. It's good because I think you're also moving away from that instant gratification that we all seem to desire. And if I'm doing something good, I want immediate kudos. And if I'm doing something bad, yep. I don't want anybody to know about it. And when we celebrate trends, then we know we're doing something over a longer duration of time that works or doesn't work. And if it works, we can figure out how to repeat that pattern as often as possible. If it's not working, then we can go back and, and make some adjustments. And kids need to see that. 
they need to know that when things are working well, we repeat that pattern. And if they're not working, well, then we make corrections. And when you're managing something like, like a childhood illness, diabetes, what a great lesson to learn that are going to carry over to other aspects of, of Miles' life as well. It, it is. It's, it's a it's a really good life lesson for him. And and I will say one of the things that kind of popped up in this. Listen, if he's going to a movie theater, you know, don't don't tell him, hey, you can't have any candy, you can't have any popcorn, you can't have any soda, but just do some things in moderation. We know how big those movie bags of candies are. You know, if you look at most of those are seven or eight servings in a bag. There's, no one should sit down with an entire bag of candy and eat the whole thing. Sometimes we do, but we shouldn't. For for a kid that's type one diabetic, that's a that's definitely a no no. Again, Miles is really good and understands that is, hey, I gotta moderate this. So instead of eating the entire bag of Sour Patch Kids, I'm gonna go in and have a serving size. And it's really hard sometimes when my other son is kind of just, I mean, he walks around with an open bag of goldfish crackers all the time. I always know what room he's in because there's a trail of goldfish crackers leading to whatever couch he happens to be sitting on. Both of the, our kids are super healthy and they're both super active, but Miles can't just do that. Miles can't just sit there and open a bag of, of goldfish crackers and snack all afternoon. And, and I will say we've tried to be a little bit better with Cooper to not just let him be totally free reign and just eat whatever he wants. Um, and so a lot of times we parse out those servings and say, you know, Hey, but miles also gets that he's got a condition that he has to manage a little bit closely, a little bit more closely. I don't think he quite looks at it as this isn't fair, but to the flip side of that, there are times where Cooper will go, why is he eating candy right now? You told me no, that I couldn't eat candy. And I'm like, yeah, but miles blood sugar is low. He has to have that in order to stay alive. You don't. You've been snacking on goldfish all day. I think sometimes when we look at, you know, when people talk about fairness and equity, we conflate terms. Um, just because something seems unfair doesn't necessarily mean that it's not that it's not an equitable situation. I would argue that Miles' condition, as a general rule, is not fair because every time he eats something every meal he has to calculate and he has to give himself a shot. And so, you know what, on the rare occasion that he drops low and we need to give him a little bit of sugar, I'm not going to let anybody tell him that that's not fair. You're talking about the difference between equal and equitable. And I believe that by redefining our culture's paradigm of, we think fair means equal, yes. but really in this case, fair means equitable. Equitable is we each get what we need versus what we want. Yep. So when you're saying it's it's fair to be equitable, it changes the story. Yep. And the other thing that it's, it's what's been really interesting in his in his class is that the other kids know they know a lot more about type one diabetes. I volunteered in the class last year, and his meter was going off. He was low. One of the kids kind of nudged him. He's like, "Miles, your blood sugar is going low." And I wasn't going to overparent. I wanted to kind of see what happened. One of the kids just walks over, grabs a Jolly Rancher out, off the teacher's desk that was for Miles, and hands it to Miles and says, "Miles, go ahead and eat this. Your blood sugar is low." And Miles was like so engrossed in this lesson that he kind of forgot that he was diabetic for thirty minutes. 
And it was really fun to see his class even surround him and go, hey, we need to get this taken care of. So not only is he managing his classmates, his friends are also learning how to help him manage. And that shouldn't really surprise us. Isn't that our aspiration as parents is that we raise kids that see the needs of others as well, but then don't over-exaggerate them? Absolutely. And if a Jolly Rancher is how you're helping out, that's that's a pretty good way to live life. Next time someone says, I need some help, I'm just going to pull out a Jolly Rancher and say, here you go. There you go. So, Sam, if you have some wise advice for a parent who's new to this and or who has a, their child has a friend who has diabetes, what what's kind of the, man, I wish I knew this earlier kind of advice you could share? I, I think one of the things that we did early on, I didn't know anybody who had kids that were diabetic and I reached out to Facebook, really. Not a big fan of using sources of information from Facebook, but I just put something out there and, you know, just kind of put it out in the world and said, hey, we're at Children's Hospital. Miles has gotten diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I had about four people that actually responded back to me and said, hey, my kid's type 1 diabetic too. I, I didn't know that. They didn't share it on Facebook, which I understand why there's privacy concerns and all that stuff. But it was great to sit there and go, oh my gosh, there's actually other people they're just more private about it than I was. And so I would say if, if, if you're new to this or, or it, you know, there's a, a recent diagnosis, reach out, to your, reach out to your network, reach out to your friends because you're going to be surprised. There's going to be somebody that's in your network that probably has this. And then it's been interesting because in the years since then, I've had a number of friends that have reached out to me and said, hey, guess where I'm at today? I'm sitting at Children's. Hmm. My kid just got diagnosed. Uh, a, a friend of Heather's just reached out and said, my, my son went into a full-blown DKA. What do I do? Like we're in the hospital and I'm terrified. So reach out to your network. Um, the more you know, the better you understand it, the easier it will be. And then you get to be a resource for your kid and your kid will get to be a resource for you. And I don't want to ever tell a parent it's not that big of a deal because it's a huge deal and it's a life-changing deal, but it gets better and it gets easier as time goes. Well, I'm looking forward to see Miles succeed. Got a good model to follow. He's a good one for sure. He's a good one for sure. (laughs) Well, he takes after his parents. (laughs) I think the lessons that you can share with others is invaluable. Uh, When your kid is diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, this is manageable. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. To find more information, resources, and support about living with type 1 diabetes, start by visiting jdrf.org. That's jdrf.org. If you're learning from and enjoying this podcast, please let me know by messaging us through our social media pages or email through our website. You can find, like, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Raising Them Ready Podcast and on our website at RaisingThemReady.com. Also, please follow and leave us up to a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions about topics or guests you'd like us to bring to the Raising Ready podcast, please contact me through our Raising Them Ready social media pages or through the website. Again, Facebook and Instagram at Raising Them Ready Podcast and online at RaisingThemReady.com. To learn more about raising your kids ready, be sure to pick up a copy of the Raising Them Ready book. It's available wherever you buy your print or audiobooks. There you'll also find our other best-selling life skills and personal development books for tweens, teens, young adults, parents, educators, and mentors. Thanks again for joining me in today's discussion. Now go and enjoy the day, knowing your child's greatness tomorrow begins with your guidance today.